Amen. Amen. For our Old Testament reading today, we are going to have a most interesting chapter. <laughs> this is Judges chapter 9, and it includes the first parable in the whole Bible. It is a most interesting, maybe delightful parable that has such application to our lives today. But we are going to learn from this. Judges chapter 9, the whole chapter. Now Abimelech, the son of Jerubbaal, who is Abimelech? He is the son of a concubine. So he is um, the offspring of a second family. The son of Jerubbaal went to Shechem to his mother's relatives and said to them and to the whole clan of his mother's family, say in the ears of all the leaders of Shechem, which is better for you, that all of the 70 sons of Jerubbaal rule over you, or that one rule over you? Remember also that I am your bone and flesh. You know, when you read your Bible, doesn't it just make you laugh sometimes? Now, why does that make me laugh? Because it is so up to date, up to the minute. Don't people use their supposed family connections and go and try to uh, rouse up a little support for themselves, for political reasons, for power grabs, for this company or that company, or or even barangay captain or whatever they want. They feel that it is that is rightfully theirs. <laughs> and this guy from, yeah, second family, he rose up and said, um, this is takeover time, and illegitimately tried to take over. And his mother's relatives spoke all these words on his behalf in the ears of all the leaders of Shechem. And their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he is our brother. And they gave him 70 pieces of silver out of the house of Baal Berith, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless fellows who followed him. <laughs> Again, ding, ding, ding. Doesn't that sound like it could have been taken out of any day's newspaper when there are rallies in the streets, when there are terrible riots or protests? And it turns out that these people, they don't know what they're protesting. They were just given a little money and told, go out there and cause some trouble. Yeah, so that's exactly what happened. Worthless and reckless fellows were hired to cause all this trouble. And he went to his father's house at Ophrah and killed his 70, his brothers, the sons of Jerubal, 70 men on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubal, was left, for he hid himself. And all the leaders of Shechem came together and all Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king by the oak of the pillar at Shechem. So was he supposed to be king? Uh, no. <laughs> was he a good king? No. Was it going to turn out well for him? No. <laughs> but, you know, these people, these ruthless people who use supposed family connections, who use wealth, financial connections, sometimes they seem for the moment to have a, a, a measure of success. When it was told to Jotham, remember he's the youngest one who hid himself, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim 
and cried aloud and said to them. Now, here it is. This is the first parable in the Bible, and such a parable it is. I love reading this parable. Listen to me, you leaders of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees, and of course he's talking about the people, the trees went out to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, shall I leave my abundance by which gods and men are honored and go and hold sway over the trees? And you know, isn't that often the case that you go to people who are really truly worthy of leadership and they're not really that interested. They don't want to be the boss over everybody. They've got a productive and useful life. They are engaged profitably and they don't want to go boss people around. And that is very often the case. The very people who probably would make the best leaders are not always that interested. And sometimes you need to talk to them. But hey, what are we going to do if the good people aren't going to lead us? And the trees said to the fig tree, all right, not an olive tree, but now a fig tree. You come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, shall I leave my sweetness and my good fruit? and hold sway over the trees. Those good ones, they're like, I have a life, I'm useful, I'm productive in society. Why do I want to go boss people around? And the trees said to the vine, you come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, shall I leave my wine that cheers God and men and go hold sway over the trees? Uh, I don't want to be the big boss. Then all the trees said to the bramble, the thorn bush, you come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, if in good faith you are anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. <laughs> but if not, let fire come out from the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. What an arrogant thing to say. A thorn bush saying, let fire come out from me and devour these cedars of Lebanon, the ultimate in trees in that area. Wow. You know, there is a responsibility on our part who we will follow. That is the truth, whether it is politics, whether it is business, whether it is family affairs, whether it is in the church affairs, any area of our life, we have a responsibility who we will follow. We can choose, and we should choose very carefully who we will set our heart toward, who we will set our life toward, who we will serve and follow in our lives. Because unfortunately, sometimes it's the thorn bush that wants to boss everybody around. It's the thorn bush that wants to hold sway <laughs> and let fire come out from me, the thorn bush, and destroy the mighty cedars of Lebanon. Oh my goodness. You know, we have a choice. Let's choose wisely. Now, therefore, if you acted in good faith and integrity when you made Abimelech king, and if you have dealt with the house of Jerubabel, this is, remember, Jotham, that youngest son who escaped, and his house, and have done to him as he as his deeds deserved for my father fought for you and risked his life and delivered you from the hand of midian 
And if you have risen up against my father's house this day and have killed his sons, 70 men on one stone, and have made Abimelech the son of his female servant, king over the leaders of Shechem, because he is your relative. And if then you have acted in good faith and integrity with Jerubbabel and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leaders of Shechem and Beth Milo. And let fire come out from the leaders of Shechem and from Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. And then Jotham ran away and fled and went to Be'er and lived there because of Abimelech, his brother. What a loving family. And isn't this sometimes the case where things get very, very complicated, but Jotham was in fact prophesying, hey, this isn't going to end well. These people are going to destroy one another. But in verse 22, Abimelech ruled over Israel three years, three years of this guy. And God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem, and the leaders of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. Hello, that's going to happen. That's predictable. That the violence done to the 70 sons of Jerubbaal might come and their blood be laid on Abimelech their brother who killed them and on the men of Shechem who strengthened his hands to kill his brothers. And the leaders of Shechem put men in ambush against him on the mountaintops and they robbed all who passed by them along that way and it was told to Abimelech. Then Gaal the son of Ebed moved into Shechem with his relatives and the leaders of Shechem put confidence in him and they went out into the fields and gathered the grapes from the vineyards and trod them and held a festival. They went into the house of their God, it's not the true God, false God, idol, and ate and drank and reviled Abimelech. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech? And who are we of Shechem that we should serve him? Is he not the son of Jerubbaal? And is not Zebul his officer? Serve the men of Hamar, the father of Shechem, but why should we serve him? What would that this people were under my hand? Then I would remove Abimelech, and I would say to Abimelech, Increase your army and come out. When Zebul, the ruler of the city, heard the words of Gaal, the son of Ebed, his anger was kindled. Yeah, I guess it would be. And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Behold, Gaal, the son of Ebed, and his relatives have come to Shechem, and they are stirring up the city against you. Now therefore go by night, you and the people who are with you, and set an ambush in the field. Then in the morning, as soon as the sun is up, rise up early and rush upon the city. And when he and the people who are with him come out against you, you may do to them as your hand finds to do. So Abimelech and all the men who were with him rose up by night and set an ambush against Shechem in four companies. And Gaal, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance of the city gate. And Abimelech and the people who were with him rose from the ambush. And when Gaal saw the people, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the mountaintops. And Zebul said to him, Oh, you mistake the shadow of the mountains for men. Gaal spoke again and said, Look, People are coming down from the center of the land, and one company is coming from the direction of the diviner's oak. Then Zebul said to him, 
Where is your mouth now? You who said, Who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despised? Go out now, fight against them. And Gaal went out at the head of the leaders of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him and he fled before him. And many fell wounded up to the entrance of the gate. Yeah, he was set up by the guy who actually went to Abimelech and told him and then urged him on. Oh, come on. He urged him right into an ambush. And Abimelech lived at Arumah. And Zebul drove out Gaal and his relatives so that they could not dwell at Shechem. On the following day, the people went out into the field. And Abimelech was told, he took his people and divided them into three companies and set an ambush in the fields. And he looked and saw the people coming out of the city. So he rose against them and killed them. So much bloodshed. Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate to the city while the two companies rushed upon all who were in the field and killed them. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He captured the city and killed the people who were in it. He raised the city and sowed it with salt. Of course, so it cannot grow anything in the future. When all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem heard of it, they entered the stronghold of the house of Elberith. Abimelech was told that all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem were gathered together, and Abimelech went up to the Mount Zalman, and he and all the people who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand, cut down a bundle of brushwood, and took it up and laid it on his shoulder. And he said to the men who were with him, What you've seen me do, you do it. Hurry and do as I have done. So every one of the people cut down his bundle, bundles of brambles, bram thorns, thorn bushes. This is exactly what Jotham had been talking about. And put it against the stronghold, and they set the stronghold on fire over them, so that all the pe people of the Tower of Shechem also died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech went to Thebes and encamped against Thebes and captured it. So there was a strong tower, Within that city, and all the men and women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in. And they went up to the roof of the tower. And Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it and drew near to the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor-bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest they say of me, a woman killed him. And yes, he would become famous for that. And his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, everyone departed to his home. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father in killing his 70 brothers. And God also made all the evil of the men of Shechem return on their heads. And upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbaal. So what do we learn? We learn be careful who you follow. We learn that it might seem like you're getting away with murder at this moment, but you won't. Our actions come upon our own heads. That's how judgment works. That what we sow, we reap. When we are a certain way, it will be done unto us. And 
all of these things absolutely did happen exactly as the prophecy said. So there, now we've learned the first parable in the whole Bible, and it's a doozy, isn't it? <laughs> we learned a lot from that parable. At this time, let us worship the Lord again together. Oh, 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 oh. What if God came down to earth, stepped out of heaven, walked into your house, and said, Ask me anything, and you said, I just had to know. How do you get to heaven? And you were hanging on his every word Cause he is God You believe because he's God And he said There's a way to go An open door for the human soul You can come today Jesus is the way He's my only son, he's the one I love, and he gave him up for you to be saved. Jesus is the way. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know that God came down to earth, stepped out of heaven. Into my world and made my heart his home. And he said, There is a better way, a life worth living. And I'm hanging on his every word, cause he is God. I believe because he's God, and he said, There's a way to go, an open door for the human soul. You can come today, Jesus is the way. He's my only son, he's the one I love, and I gave him up for you to be saved. Jesus is the way. Leads to destruction. The other way is a narrow gate. It's the path less taken. It is hard and it requires a life. It's the path we desire. You can come today, Jesus is the way.
son He's the one I love And I gave him up For you to be saved Jesus is the way Testament reading today, we are going to the book of John and in the book of John chapter two. So you can open your Bible and follow along and see what you can learn. It says on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. Okay, first of all, when you go to Israel with us, are you coming to Israel with us? Yes, yes, yes. When you go to Israel with us, we will always go to Cana in Galilee. And yes, we have to drive up into the hills a little bit to get to Cana from our hotel, which is right on the Sea of Galilee. You know that a pretty good percentage of Jesus' miracles happen right there around the Galilee area. And it says that this wedding happened on the third day. Okay, just purely a fun fact. Here in the Philippines, what do you suppose is the most common day for weddings? Maybe a Saturday, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. Saturday is a popular day for weddings. Do you know that in Israel, the most common day, the most sought after day for weddings is the third day. And so it is said, because when, G when God was creating the world on the third day, he said, it's very good. So he said, it's good, it's good, it's good. On the third day, he said, it's very good. And so the people have a habit of, on the third day, having their weddings, Tuesday. They like to have weddings on Tuesday. <laughs> well, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. Does this mean that the wedding happened on Tuesday, the third day of the week? I don't know. It could just be the third day from when something happened. But that is a tradition in Israel. And what I find in Israel that is so interesting is that the people are like that. They take notice of every detail of scripture and then try to live that in their life. Well, you know, there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said for reading the word of God and saying, oh, there's a detail. I think I need to live that in my life. And you know, there's one detail that we should take note of here, very, very much take note of. Jesus was invited to the wedding. When you have a wedding, make sure you invite Jesus. Make sure that your wedding plans are such that Jesus would be happy to be there, that the wedding itself honors the Lord, that the wedding itself is giving time and attention and praise 
an acknowledgement to the Lord who brought you together, who is joining you as one, and who will be with you through your whole life. So many times when people plan a wedding, Jesus is the last thing on their mind. They're thinking of how many guests, and maybe we should have this music, and we should have alcoholic drinks in case people want it. Ah, invite Jesus to your wedding. Make it a Thanksgiving event to the Lord our God. Invite Jesus and make it a godly time. So there they are having this wedding on the third day in Cana in Galilee. And let's continue to read. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Probably she was so used to seeing Jesus and what he could do. And he, she knew, oh, he's not going to let people down here. Now there were six stone water jars, really big water jars, there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. So yes, they're very big. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. If you can imagine a Wilkins container of five gallons times six. So these are really big, and it would take time to fill them. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. You know, that was a lot of faith right there. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know the water was going to turn to wine. But they were doing whatever he told them. And it's really, really clever in our lives if we take the word of God and whatever he tells us we just do it just do it amen even if we don't understand everything at that moment and it doesn't necessarily make sense to us it will just follow the word of the Lord and he said to them now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast so they took it when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, haven't you ever noticed that employees, I, I won't say servants, employees, those, you know, the secretary in the company, they know so much about what's going on in a family. Ask the kids, if you want to know what's going on, ask the kids. Kids, secretaries, they know stuff. And sometimes when our children tell us things, we say, we dismiss it. Like, oh, you don't know anything. You don't know what you're talking about. And we think we know. Well, listen to your kids, because you know what? Employees, secretaries, children, they know. <laughs> they so often know things. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone who serves, everyone serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. When Jesus gives us gifts, they are quality gifts. This, the first of his signs. So this is like a, a public miracle, something that is seen by lots of people, not just by his family, his mom. He's doing this now in front of everybody. It's a sign. Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory 
and his disciples believed in him. That is a red letter day. That is a moment to remember. That's the moment the disciples put their trust in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum because Capernaum is actually right on the Sea of Galilee. And Cana is a little bit up into the hills. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Why? Because he's going home for a few days. That is where he hung out. Then in verse, starting in verse 13, the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So now we've left the northern part of Israel and it seems like we're going south. We are going south, but as you go south, you're going to go up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is, it's in the Philippines, it's like you went up to Baguio because it's like elevated in a mountain. Jerusalem is set among the mountains, so he went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. So this is going to be the first of his two times where he cleansed the temple. The second, of course, we're talking Holy Week, that time frame. This time frame, he's just, the disciples have just put their trust in him. This, he's just getting started here. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers. Wow, nobody even knew how much is in that box, how much is in that box. He made a big mess of it all and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So, and you know, zeal for God's house is good for all of us. When we're in God's house and you see papers on the floor, garbage, candy wrappers, what do you do? Pick them up. Of course, nowadays you use a Kleenex or something, a plastic and pick it up and you put it in the garbage and then you alcohol your hands. Yes, absolutely. But we take care of God's house. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, so we would pay attention to when, this is something that, okay, in the future, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. You know that everything pastor teaches us, all the sermons, we take good sermon notes. We don't necessarily understand everything at that time, but take it to heart anyway. Someday in your life, you're going to look back and you're going to say, that's what pastor was talking about. Now I get it, because then you have lived the situation. It's the same thing sometimes when your grandpa tells you things and you're just very young. And it seems, it doesn't make sense. It, it, does, it seems nonsense to you at the time. File it somewhere in your heart or in your brain, because one day you're going to look back and say, 
wow, Lola was right. My grandpa was right. This is exactly the truth of life. So it was with the disciples. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So the first sign in Cana of Galilee, and now here he goes, he's on a roll. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. And of course, that is so true, that men are very untrustworthy sometimes. Well, we have read Psalms, we have read Old Testament, we have read New Testament, and now it's time to read from the Proverbs. From Proverbs, we're going to chapter 21, verses 17 to 21. Chapter 21, verses 17 to 21. And it says there, Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. Oh, wow. <laughs> we could stop right there and talk about that for half an hour, couldn't we? Those people that just want to sit there playing their computer games. Okay, you just keep it up. You will not be wealthy in your life because you're not applying yourself to wisdom. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Okay, you just go chasing after all these fancy things. It's not going to benefit you. It's not going to bring wealth to your family. The wicked is a ransom for the righteous and the traitor for the upright. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. <laughs> I know all the men are saying amen, but ladies, we have to say amen too. The principle is so clear. We don't want as humans... Pursuing pain is unnatural. We don't want to live with quarrelsome people. We want to avoid quarrelsome people. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. All right, there's another little gem for us. You know, the Bible does teach us that the righteous store up treasures and that when we look in the home of a righteous man, we're going to see treasures. We're going to see precious things. But a foolish person devours everything they have. It is, in other words, foolish to... We've been talking about foolish things a lot today, haven't we? Our psalm was, about, was written about fools. Our judge's Old Testament reading was about a foolish person who wanted to be the king, and he was compared to a bramble bush or a thorn bush. All right, here's another foolish person. A foolish person devours, consumes everything they have. They're not laying aside a little, laying aside a little. Yes, when we receive a salary, we set aside a tithe for the Lord because it belongs to him. It is his. But we also set aside a certain amount for ourselves, for our future, for our savings. A fool devours everything he has. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Oh, life, 
Righteousness and honor, are those things you want in your life? What do you have to do? You seek after being a kind person. Do something kind. Well, it's morning. We have the whole day ahead of us. Find a way to do something kind today for someone that you come across. There are community pantries springing up everywhere. You can give something to a poor person who doesn't have anything to eat. You can help someone who is in need. Find a way to be kind. And what will you find? Life, righteousness, and honor. Those are things we can definitely live with. Thank you for joining us for our morning devotions today. Pastor will be back with you for morning devotions tomorrow. Meanwhile, it's been my pleasure to sit in for him today. God bless you, and we will see you tonight for our COP online evening service. God bless.